the word, the better your prayer life will be because you have more things that you can declare, those declarations, and then the supplications. That changes your life. That might change the circumstances that you're in. That might pull you out of the pit. That might pull your loved one to salvation when we come to that place where our prayer life is where it should be. You know, I'm reading a book right now on prayer and it's about wrestling in prayer and it's about arguing with God and reasoning with God and saying, Lord, this is why I think you should answer my prayer. And you begin to lay things before him and you're fighting for your family. You're fighting for whatever it is in prayer. You know, to me, uh, that's the thing. As I'm going through these Psalms, I'm, I'm realizing, Lord, this is just a bunch of prayers that David sang, that are inspired by you, that hopefully we, Lord, as we're going through it, if nothing else, that at least our prayer life would change. You know, because look at these prayers. Psalm chapter 30 is an interesting psalm. Uh, notice in verse 1, it's a psalm of David. It's a song at the dedication of the house of David. And David says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. So it's a song at at the dedication of David's house, the house of David. And so in those days when they would build a house, or let's say you moved into a, a house, you know, you would actually dedicate the house. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse 5 it talks about how when the army would go out the general would go in front of all the soldiers and he says is there anyone here who has a house that they built and they haven't dedicated it yet he said if you haven't dedicated the house then you know go home lest someone else dedicate it for you you know and so that's what they would do they would um, build a house they would consecrate it they would dedicate it to God Uh, Like Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 9 says, they would put up the scriptures in the doorposts of the house and they would say, now this house belongs to God. And and, and just as a quick side note, that's a good thing to do at your house, wherever it is. You know, I don't know, you might think it's a little, you know, whatever, Pentecostal or something, but I'm telling you, man, go in each room and anoint those rooms with oil and proclaim this is God's house. This is God's room. This is God's living. The whole thing, it's his. You consecrate it. Consecrate your home. Dedicate your home to the Lord. Every nook, every cranny, every window, every door. You, if, you, if you need to, however the Lord leads you, walk around your home and pray around it. Dedicate it to God. You know, sometimes you know, we go home and it's almost like you know, hell at home because we haven't really done this. I want to encourage you. In Joshua 24, 15, you make that you know, proclamation. Uh, you guys choose for yourself who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Because let me tell you something, man. Demons are real. Darkness, the spells of the wicked one. I was even reading one book about how this one guy said, you got to find out who lived there before you did. 
you know, was there some craziness going on? Was there some Satanism going on? Was there, was there did a murder take place there? And again, not that we believe necessarily in haunted houses per se, but, you know, spirits do get geographical. We read that in the scriptures. And so, you know, um, you know the dedication of the house, that's when this psalm was written. And so, you know, just in case you're reading, you don't know what the background to this psalm is. Some say, you know, this, that, and the other. We don't know. Oh, we do know this. It was a time when David was going through some heavy spiritual warfare. He got sick. He almost died. God healed him. And all this is in conjunction with him having finished his house. And now he dedicates it to the Lord, right? And so he says there in verse 1, a song at the dedication of the house of David, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. It's kind of interesting, you guys. Did you notice that? David says, I will exalt you because in one sense, you've exalted me. I I will exalt you, Lord. I will extol you. I will praise you because you've lifted me up out of the pit, man. I mean, we were on our way. We were dead on that slope without hope to hell. God himself lifted us up out of the pit. Not that he, he didn't just lift us up and say, okay, Manny, here, you know, you're on level ground. No, God lifted me up and seated me in the heavenlies. We are seated in heaven. That's how much God has lifted us up. Think about that. And so, you know, David says, Lord, I, I exalt you because you have so graciously exalted me. I, I was as good as dead, we're going to see, in the pit. And you lifted me up and you seated me in the heavenly places. We see that in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. You know, he's so grateful that, you know, he says there in verse 1 that, you know, you've not, not let my foes rejoice over me you know that's the enemy man that's the way he wants to take you down and you know you may be here thinking no my life is pretty good yeah you know what but uh, he's got a plan man he's got a plan he's setting the net it's secret you don't even see it he has a plan to take you down and you know for those unfortunately who do fall and slip and stumble and are overcome by the devil It's crazy because right here it says that the foes, they rejoice over them. David is so grateful that that hasn't happened to him, that God has protected him. In verse 2, he says, O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. You know, like I was talking, you know, God... You know, he wants to do signs along with the scriptures. He wants to do miracles along with the message. He wants to do wonders along with the works. And, and here's something that I hope you guys don't just blow off. God heals people. And he can do it just like that if he wants to. You know, when I was spending time with the Lord today, three things he laid on my heart regarding healing. Number one we should be seeing more healings. We should. 
why don't we see more healings? Why isn't that, you know, that when we're laying hands on people that they're not getting healed right there and then? I mean, it still happens, don't get me wrong, but it's not, I don't think it's as frequent as it should be. Why not? Because we're not praying and fasting the way that we should. We're not seeking the Lord the way that we should. Otherwise, I believe we would see more healings. But, but number two, the, the second thing the Lord laid on my heart is that, you know, uh, the other day there was a, a dear brother and he was, uh, you know, having some chest pains and then, you know, he finds out that he's got, you know, three arteries that are clogged, you know, and so they take him to the doctor, they slice him up a little bit, open up his cage and they kind of clear everything and they think they put new plumbing in, if that's how they do it or whatever. You know, next thing you know, he's out and about and he's mowing his lawn and I'm like, God healed him. So, you know, we still see healings. Someone's suffering, they're battling with cancer, they go to the doctors, they get those treatments. You know what? That's still God. You know, so, so first thing is, we should be seeing more instantaneous healings. And part of us reading the Psalms, you guys, is uh, my prayer is that your prayer life would grow like crazy and, and we would see that more as God would lead you I don't know if he's been talking to you, but he's been talking to me about praying and fasting. And then secondly, though, we do see healings. All these you know, doctors, God gave them wisdom. God gave them the resources. It's totally the Lord. But then, but then number three, like I alluded to in the beginning, um, some of you here, man, you were alcoholics before you became a Christian, huh? And they call it a disease nowadays. I don't think it's a disease, but if it is a disease, a lot of people are getting healed from that disease, huh? When they come to the Lord. All of you are, are you God, in, in one sense, you're, you're, you're like healing. You're healed. You know, God healed your heart. Not that we're there perfectly, but at one time, we were dead. Now we live. We couldn't walk. We couldn't walk with the Lord or like the Lord, but now we walk. We couldn't speak, now we speak. We couldn't hear, now we hear. We couldn't see, now we see. So he's still healing, huh? And so things to think about when it comes to healing. David apparently was in a bad place. We don't know exactly where he was, but we know, he says in verse 2, that I cried out and you healed me. Oh Lord, you brought me my soul up from the grave. You've kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. I mean, that's... And to me, when I read that, it sounds like God, you know, raised him from the dead. That's how intense it is. And so in verse 4, he says, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, when you, when you read the, the Psalms, there's no doubt about it, David wants the people to sing with him. He doesn't want to do a solo thing. And, and I'm sure Angel would tell you the same thing. I, I love to sing, I love the Lord, but I would love it if the people sang with me. And that's what David is saying there in verse 4. He's, he's saying, sing praise to the Lord, you, you saints of his, give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name, and, and here's reason to give thanks, and here's reason to sing, because his anger, it's only for a moment, but his favor is for life. Weeping may endure 
for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, and I don't know, has God ever been angry with you guys? You're like, no, no, not me. I mean, I'm, I'm, one of the, I'm on the good side, right? Maybe, I don't know. I look at some of you here, I'm like, ah, they're really nice people, Lord. I don't, probably not them, but I know for me, you know, sometimes saying the wrong thing or thinking the wrong thing or making the wrong decision, you know, I'll bet you I've kindled up a little bit of God's anger every once in a while. And so what does he do when he's, you know, when he has to deal with us, he'll give us a little spanking, Right? And, um, and, you know, he disciplines us, right? But it's only for a moment. That's what we read right here. His anger, it's only for a moment, but his favor is for life. You know, God gets angry, but God is slow to anger. He, he does get angry, even with us as his children, but he doesn't stay angry. And that's the, the beautiful thing about it, you know. In Psalm 103, verse 9, the Bible says, He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his, ang- his anger forever, you know? And in Isaiah 54, 7 and 8, it says, For a mere moment I have forsaken you, God says, but with great mercies I will gather you with a little wrath. I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. You know, and, and it's hard, but think about the situation that you're in right now and you, you might be there because at the end of the day, God's disciplining you, right? And you're, you're living in the fruit of your decisions that have been contrary to the will of God. And it's a tough place to be. But if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, then you know that the weeping, the struggle, it's only for a night because joy comes in the morning. You know, and, and, I, and I was thinking, Lord, how does that work? I mean, for us who are Christians, you know, we're going through hard times. You know, and there might even be people here tonight, man, that you cry yourself to sleep. I think Lacey Sturm, I'm not sure. I think it was her, such a, a godly young lady now, anointed by the Lord. Her music is amazing, man. But she said that she used to cry herself to sleep every single night. You know, and, and so weeping, you know, it's a, it's a hard place to be. And, you know, we go through times and, you know, mom's not there for you or dad's not there for you or, you know, spouse is unfaithful to you or your body starts breaking down or the kids go south or, you know, you lose your job or just, you know, things happen in life and it gets so hard. But, but you got to know that, that the weeping, it only endures for a night. A night only lasts so long. Eventually, the sun will rise. Do you understand that? See, if you're a Christian, you know, in Romans chapter 8, it says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know, the key is to understand that no matter what, when you're a Christian, when you've given your life to Christ, when you believe that you're a sinner separated from God in desperate need of a Savior, Jesus was nailed to a cross for you, he rose again, and you believe in him, then understand you win. Even though it's hard, and I don't know, I don't know, is it in Alaska are the nights longer? 
sometimes. I think that sometimes they're like a really long <laughs> time. And, and for some people, some of those nights are longer, man. Their, heart, their life is so tough. But understand that, you know, the joy is, is coming. You know what that word joy means in the Hebrew language? It means a shout for joy. A shout for joy. For some of you, it's been a long time since you shouted for joy. But one day you will. One day you will. And I pray that you'd be encouraged by that. You know, right, what we see right here is David was going through some hard times because he was being disciplined by God. Hebrews 12, 6 says, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. And you may wonder, well, why did David get disciplined by God? What did he do wrong? And verse 6 might give us a clue. Notice what it says. It says, Now in my prosperity I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by your favor you have made my mountain stand strong. And a lot of theologians, when you're, when you're reading this text right here, they believe that, that that right there, that was his sin. Is that he said, I'm good, I'm strong, I mean, I will never be moved. In the Hebrew language, I'm never going to be shaken. And, it, and what it was, was it was, it was, it was self-confidence. It was pride. You know, I remember one time uh, just talking to an individual and they're telling me that when you get a certain age, you feel like you're on top of the world, that no one can bring you down and you've got to be careful because remember I told you guys many times that if you say never, oh, that'll never happen to me, then you just move to the front of the line. You guys remember that? And so um, maybe David was there. There was some pride going on and, you know, uh, it's interesting you know, kind of like Peter in Matthew 26, 31 through 35. Oh, Jesus said, oh, you're going to stumble. And he says, no, I'm not. Even if all are made to stumble because of you, Lord, I will never, there's that word, I will never be made to stumble. And then Jesus said, yes, you will. <laughs> I'm telling you, most assuredly, before that rooster crows, man, you will deny me three times. And what did Peter say? No, it's not going to happen. Even after to die with you, Lord, I won't deny you, Lord. And you know, we need to be so careful of that. David now, prosperous, he's king. He saw himself and perhaps his ministry as a mountain that could never be moved or taken or shaken. And God saw his heart. And we know what the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 6, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so, you know, when David was there, then his troubles began. Notice again in verse 6, Now in my prosperity, I said I shall never be moved. Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. And so what happens? It says there in verse 7, You hid your face, and I was troubled. And so in the troubles, now David begins to pray the way he should. In verse 8, I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. He says, what profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. You know, I don't know if, you, if, you, if you've ever really walked in fellowship with God. It, you know, if you have, and then it was taken away. Imagine that life as a Christian. You know, you're used to walking with God. You're, you're used to the joy of fellowship with God. And then it's taken away. You don't, long, you don't see his face anymore. Then you notice that just troubles begin to take place in your life, right? And so David, like we talked about last week, he didn't just try, he cried. 
Lord, help me. Lord, be my helper. Right? And, and what ends up happening is David starts reasoning with the Lord. He said, Lord, if I die, <laughs> in verse 9, what, what profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? I mean, if, if one of the singers dies, then there's a member of the choir missing. If one of the teachers dies, then the ones who were declaring the truth to the people, preaching the gospel, they're now missing. It's like David is reasoning with the Lord, and he's saying, Lord, this is why I'm begging you to answer my prayer. And, and you know what? As you guys are praying and wrestling with God and asking him for a thing, you know, save my loved ones, you know, whatever it is, let me, do me a favor. Don't just ask God to save your loved one. Tell him why. Begin to reason with him. Begin to talk to him. Begin to not argue with the Lord, but, you know, I mean, because what ends up happening is, is people, I think, sometimes as Christians, they don't realize how it really works. You got you to gotta pray as if it all depends on God, but then you got to work as if it all depends on you. But a lot of times I think people will just work as if it all depends on them, but they don't pray as if it all depends on God. And that's what David did. And we're learning this, you guys. You know, I, I want to encourage you. If you're going to study the Psalms, if you're going to come on Thursday nights, if you're going to read it, because I know you read the Psalms, let God transform your prayer life. Cry out to Him. Fall to your knees. Weep. Weep before him. If you have a hard time weeping, then stay there until you do. That was David. He's wrestling with God. He's telling God why he wants to live because he wants to sing songs. This is why I want to live because, Lord, I want to teach your word. Right? This is how we should be praying. He's wrestling with God. And he's asking God there in verse 10, Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. And that, of course, we know is the Holy Spirit, right? In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And we see the same thing in John 14, 26, and John 15, 26. We have that helper, and that's what we need to cry out for. You know, God has given us the assistance that we need. You know, there's a really cool passage in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. And I know you guys probably know verse 5, right? Remember verse 5? Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But the next verse is so beautiful. It says, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You know, just in case you're here and, and you're afraid, just in case you're here and you're concerned or you're worried or, you know, you're fretting. And what we read there in Hebrews is that God is our helper and we don't have, we don't have to be afraid of anything. We can boldly say that. And so that's where, where David is. 
Notice again in verse 11, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and, and clothed me with gladness. I don't know when was the last time you shouted for joy. LeBron's coming to L.A. <laughs> you know, I saw you guys doing the summer, so yeah, you know, people, we, we, they shout at the craziest things, man. You know, I, I saw these guys partying. Well, they weren't partying. They were just jumping up and down in front of the Staples Center, you know. Um, but I know this, and I don't know, who knows, maybe it'll be in heaven. I was talking to one brother who, who's going through a lot, a lot of trials, a lot, a lot of trials, probably more than, than, than most of us. Just trial after trial. I mean, just so many things happening, you know. And he was just saying, man, to me, this is heaven. This, this isn't going to happen until I get to heaven where I, where I have this joy that I just shout for joy for the victory of God. Or I sing, like I sing right here. Look at verse 11. You have turned for me my, my mourning into jan- dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. I mean, seriously, when are you going to dance? When are you going to dance in joy for the Lord? And you're, you're, how many of you here think you're, you're, you're too cool to dance, and, and, but you, you know, do you think you're going to dance in heaven? You may, you may, you may, I even think that's a little funny, to be honest with you. I'm going to be dancing? Me, Lord, you know me. I don't got any rhythm, and I feel a little inhibited. And, and God is just saying, no, you're going to dance, my son. You're going to leap with joy. You're, the sackcloth is going to be gone. The morning's gone. They're going to be clothing you with gladness. I mean, a lot of you here, you know, and I, I guess we have to show each other grace. You know, we love you no matter what, but you're not really singing. You're not really singing. Mean, I mean, you're not. I was talking to Angel today, and he's singing, right? And he says, you know what? I just kind of want to mellow out and just, you know, hear them sing. I'm like, bro, don't, don't. <laughs> because what happens is, you know, um, I know who knows, maybe one day we'll be there, but, you know, we, when, uh, when I'm singing, a lot of times when I'm singing and I'm hearing angels sing, I, I'm kind of like thinking, well, that's me singing, <laughs> you know, because it, it kind of sounds that good. But, but, but um, <laughs> I wish, I wish we shouted for joy because we know these things are true. I wish we sang. I'm not giving up. I'm still going to try to ask you to sing and shout. And I, and I wish we danced. We should. Because you want to know something? No matter what you're going through, you are victors. You, you're going to win. You're going to win. One day we're going to be home and it's all going to make sense. You're going to see God's brilliance. You're going to see God's genius. You're going to see God's wisdom and you're going to just, you know, you're going to flip. Man, it's going to be amazing. I mean, to know that now though, it helps so much. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. See, that's what David is saying right here. You know, it's so cool to see the, the proclamation and the supplication, you know, going back and forth, dancing and singing. One day I'll sing and I'll dance. You ever seen those guys that sing and dance? Like Fred Astaire, Michael Jackson. 
I mean, it's just nothing compared to what we're going to have one day. In verse 12, to the end, that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent, O Lord, my God. I will give thanks to you forever. And so, you know, it's kind of cool. Psalm 30 and 31, they go together. Notice in verse 1, it's a psalm of David. And it says, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Now again, remember what I'm trying to share with you, that prayer a lot of times is a combination of declaration and supplication. And we even see it in the very beginning, verse 1. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Can you say that? Do you say that? Lord, I trust you. Lord, I know you love me. Lord, I know you're good. Lord, I know you have your hand on my child. See, there is that, that declaration. But then it's kind of interesting. Then there's the supplication. In you, O oh Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. You see, this is how we pray. Verse 2, bow down your ear to me, deliver me speedily, be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me, for you are my rock. Now, it's interesting, verse 2 is a supplication, be my rock, but in, in verse 3, it's a declaration, you are my rock, for you are my rock and my fortress, therefore, for your namesake, lead me and, and guide me. You know, it's interesting, he's asking God to, you know, let me never be ashamed, but, but the primary reason is because I don't want to shame your name. People know I'm a Christian. They know I go to church. They know whatever, I'm a pastor. Uh, Lord, let me never be ashamed. I don't want to shame your name. He says right there, you know, supplication and, and, and declaration. Verse 4, pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. And I don't know if you can see it right now, but I want you to kind of visualize it if you can. The net that's underneath you. The net that's underneath you that you can't even see that the enemy has done and laid down secretly. It's there. And, and maybe you're even, have you guys ever seen those movies or whatever where they pull them up and they're trapped in the net and, and maybe that's you there. That's where you are and you will never get out unless you cry out. And here's David right here, pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me because you are my strength. I can't do this on my own. And maybe, maybe for some of you here, that's what you gotta, you got to go home and pray that prayer because maybe that's where you are. You know, into your hand in verse 5, I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. You know, when Jesus died, these were his words, the very words he used in Luke 23 in verse 46 when he had cried that cry of victory you know, to Telestai in the Greek language, it is finished. And then he says there, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, you know? I mean, what's he saying there? I mean, I'm all yours, right? I mean, have you ever prayed that prayer? Have you ever completely given your life to Christ? Into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, it's interesting. 
Even if you're suffering or dying, it's a prayer that we can pray. 1 Peter 4.19, it says, Therefore let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Into your hand I commit my spirit. Think about that. David praying that prayer in the hard times. Look at verse 6. I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. You know, and again, I think it's David kind of saying, Lord, this is why you should answer my prayer. I I was against those who were guilty of idolatry. Lord, I trust you. Lord, intervene in my life. And verse 7 is interesting. I'll be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. Now, other translations, they they talk about how God, uh, it means that that David believed God saw his affliction and knew the anguish of his soul. One translation even says it this way, you notice my pain and you are aware of how distressed I am. You know, and, and just try to think that one through for a second, you guys. Um, where are you at with the Lord? Like, where are you at with the Lord? Some people, they're oblivious to their spiritual geography, They don't know where they are because they really haven't stopped to take an honest examination or even asking God to examine themselves. Lord, show me where I am. You might be out in the middle of the ocean. You guys ever seen those movies where there's someone they get lost out at sea and, you know, next thing you know, they're on the raft and they're just out in the middle of nowhere and their only hope is that someone would see them, right? I mean, because they know if someone sees them, then they'll be rescued. But that's the hard part is, you know, when, you, when you're there in the middle of the ocean, you're like a little, you know, dot in this huge mass of water. And the people that are flying by, they can't see you. But what David says right here is God sees him. God sees him. God knows him. And that's where, where we all need to be as well. Let me ask you a question. If God sees you and you're there floating in the middle of the ocean, will he rescue you? Would you think? I think he would. I, wouldn't even, I don't think he would be like, oh, it's okay. I'm, just, I'm busy. You know? No, of course he will. But let me ask you a question. Are you, or do you want him to? And that's where we need to be. I, I'm, I'm, I believe in my heart that God has so much more for us. I'm just wondering if we really want that. If we really want that changed life. If we really want that, that victorious Christian living, that anointing of the Holy Spirit, the filling of our heart with his love to reach out to others and be used you know, and to take our place in the body of Christ. You know, David here is so blessed because he knows that God sees him and, and that God knows him. And so he prays in verse 9, Have mercy on me, O Lord, 
for I am in trouble. My, my eye wastes away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails. Notice, because of my iniquity and my bones, they waste away. I am a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and I'm repulsive to my acquaintances. Those who see me outside, they flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. For I hear the slander of many. Fear is on every side. While they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. You know, sometimes, you guys, we feel all alone. You know, usually we're not, but there are those times where we feel like no one really loves or cares about me. You know, sometimes we get the mentality that even says, you know, when everyone's against me, you know? And, I, and I've learned over the years that sometimes when you feel that way, like you can even come to church and you feel out of place. What do you do? You know what you do? You plow through those times. You know, we're part of a church and, and in a world of imperfect people. You know, so even though we feel that way sometimes, and sometimes it's true. Yeah, they do want to get you. Yeah, they do want to take you down. It doesn't matter because what does the Bible say? If God is for me, who can be against me, right? But it doesn't mean that you don't hurt. It doesn't mean that you don't struggle. It doesn't mean that you don't pray. You can't just say, well, Romans 8.31 says, no, you got to pray. That's what we're learning here. We're, we're learning, yeah, God's always with me, but Lord, be with me. We're learning that the Lord said, I'm going to give you a helper, but we're learning, Lord, help me. We're learning, you know, God loves me. God loves everybody. But Lord, help me to receive that love. We're learning the way that it works. And when you know the word and you know the truth, you have to make those declarations along with the supplications. Let me ask you a question. Well, don't worry, we're going to finish up in just a second. But do you think David was a good prayer warrior? He was. And God is trying to teach us to pray. He is. And that's why I, I love going through the Psalms. Look at verse 14. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. I mean, can you guys say that? Is he your God? Can you say that, Lord, you are my God? Go ahead, say it out loud. You are my God. No, now this time, say it to him. Lord, you are my God. Say that. And, you know, and, you're, and you're learning how to pray. Lord, I trust in you. I trust in you. I know, God, you're going to take these things and you're going to work it out for good. And you start making the declarations with the supplications. You learn to turn off the television. Get off your phone. You learn, you know, to... You know, get on your knees. You learn this is what, you know, the Christian life is all about. Verse 15, my times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. And I love that verse, my, my times are in your hands. And you know what? That, that's the good times in Acts 23, 19. Repent, be converted, that sins may be blotted out. Times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. It's the bad times. 
2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 25, from the Jews five times, I received 40 stripes minus one, three times. I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned three times. I was shipwrecked a night and a day. The good times, the bad times, my times are in his hands. And he's going to deliver me right from the hand of my enemies. Verse 16, make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. Do not let me be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak insolent or proudful things and contemptuously against the righteous. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Have you guys ever tripped out on how David was able to hide from Saul? Everyone else can find him (laughs) except for Saul, right? And that's what the Lord will do, right? It's interesting how... You know, you, you might be here tonight and, and you might think that you can hide from God. But you can't, you know, because we've sang it many times, man, he's going to go looking for you, right? But it's so cool to know that we can hide in him. Because if not, man, we're sitting ducks. But he hides us in this secret place and, you know, it's interesting, we don't have time, but you read Matthew chapter 6 in verse 6, and the Lord says when you go, go, you go into your room, when you pray, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You know, this secret place, this place of hiding, this place where the enemy can't see us or touch us or hear us or do anything to us, this secret place, I believe, it is in the presence of God. You know, and I'll, and I'll just share this with you. Like for me in this building, you know, it's hard for me sometimes to pray in my office because I like to like, I like to just like talk to God. I like, Lord, I'm all messed up. Now, you know, I mean, I just like to just, you know, converse with him. So, so sometimes I'll go somewhere else and I'll just find a secret place where I can talk, where I can speak, where another... No one can hear me. It's just me in the presence of God. And, that, and when we're there, then we're safe. Then he hides us in this pavilion. You know, the other day, you know, I'm meeting with couples, meeting with people, meeting, you know, struggles that are going on in life and depression, anxiety, you name it, man. You know, marriages that are on the rocks, people that are, you know, all this, the, the different stuff. And it's just so crazy. You just go back to Acts 2.42, Prayer, the word, fellowship, communion. But as you're, as you're doing these things, you're growing in them, right? And when we're there, then God hides us in this secret place of his presence. I like Psalm 32, verse 7. It says, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me 
with songs of deliverance. You see, the key is to stay there in that secret place. Psalm 91 verse 1, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And so we read in verse 21, Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. And I love what he says in verse 23. Notice the simplicity of it. Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints. For the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Amen? What do we need to do? You know, my my prayer is that we would love him back. We know he loves us. We know he died for us. You know, but the question is, and as I've mentioned to you guys many times in the past, is, is do we love him back? Do we seek him with all our, all our heart and soul and mind and strength? Because at the end of the day, what he says right there is God is going to reward the righteous, those who trust in him. But God is also going to deal with the wicked. And so for us as Christians, we need to be of good courage. God will strengthen our heart. We need to make sure that we always have this hope in the Lord. Amen? Let's pray, Lord. We thank you for loving us, Lord, the way that you do. Thank you for the Psalms, Lord. Um, Very difficult to, to outline, but very easy to see. The way that David would just cry out to you, the way that he had the the declarations and the supplications, the way that he had the valleys and the mountains, Lord, the way that you dealt with him. You, you disciplined him, but you saw him. You loved him. You took care of him and you protected him. And Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that you would just minister to us tonight that that's how you want to deal with us, Lord, that these things are written for our own admonition. And Father, I know that the one thing that you want to establish is a deep and true and intimate relationship with you. Lord, you don't want people to come to church and and get an apple, so to speak. You want them to have an apple tree that they can plant in their home and say, I have established a relationship with God that is personal, that is daily, that changes me at home. And so, Lord, I do pray that you would just bless your people with that tonight, Lord. Help us all in our prayer life. Lord, because I do believe that that is the key to everything. And so, Lord, help us. And maybe if we've blown it, we haven't lived up to par, Lord, don't let the enemy condemn us, no, because we know your mercies are new every morning. And you want to do a new work in our life. And so I pray that you would. pray that we would let you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand and, uh, and sing and dance. Okay? God bless you guys.